0: Welcome to The Hive from Tejitos' Sustainable Travel, a podcast for meaningful travel stories. We invite guests who have traveled abroad for more than just leisure travel, be it internships, volunteering, or study abroad, either as solo travelers or as part of a group. We also talk to local communities who receive and host these travelers and measure their impact. This is a podcast chronicling sustainable travel. My name is Wesley Maraere. Business Development Executive at Teenager Sustainable Travel and your host of the Hive. Today I'm joined by Crystal Allen, who is a professor at the University of Illinois and at urbana champaign She is a professor of animal science. Crystal, thank you very much for for, for joining me uh, as we discuss this uh, beast of study abroad and faculty-led groups, uh, the ins and outs. I am glad that you are able to make the time to join.
1: Thank you for having me, Wesley. Glad to help.
0: Excellent. So let's start off with a bit of a background. You are a professor in animal science. Flesh that out for me um, on, on, on what that actually entails.
1: Well, um, animal science in, at the University of Illinois, we primarily have students that are going to be veterinarians. 80% of our students are pre-vet students, uh, but we do still have some, you know, uh, maybe uh, young people from the farm that want to go back and improve their herds or, or whatever, but they, uh, the majority of them are, are uh, pre-vet students. So we teach a lot of, you know, biology, chemistry, um, uh, molecular uh, cellular biology things like that but um my goal is to teach more into the production reproduction production of animals mostly livestock farm animals uh so going to africa to study wildlife was quite different for me
0: excellent excellent and i i see that because you also um have a farm and 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 live on the farm i suppose that was a That was a, a prearranged marriage there with you then teaching animal science.
1: <laughs> um, you know, teaching was actually not in my plans as a young person, which is kind of funny. Everyone kept trying to tell me I want I needed to be a teacher. And I'm like, I would never be a teacher. Um, so it's quite uh, ironic that I end up teaching uh, mm-hmm. because that was not in my plans. It just kind of uh, happened.
0: And I would not... Do this justice if I don't uh, mention the thing that, you know, really struck me uh, when, I first, when I first met you several years ago, which was your day routine. A day in the life of Crystal is still fascinating to me. And I don't think I have seen or heard of any other one. You wake up really early and you have a little secret, which is the cafe. Um, <laughs> And, yes, and yes. then that alone is mind-blowing to me. But maybe oh. everybody else should should know about a day in the life um, of Crystal.
1: Well, it's it's changed since the pandemic. But before the pandemic, I would get up about 3 or 3.30 a.m. And I would go to – I have a bakery of my own in my small town of Homer. And I would bake – cinnamon rolls and cakes and pies and we would open up at 6 a.m. and have coffee and I would be open till 11 or 12 and then I would go to my day job as a professor and I would work there till six thirty seven. come home at 8 o'clock fix my husband's supper um, after he came home from the you know farming and then I'd usually fall in bed about 8 30 or 9 so uh, I did go to bed early but yeah I had I worked really hard long hours
0: yeah uh, yeah, that to me, again, I have to say, was was mind-blowing.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And so how did you get started with study abroad, which is the topic of discussion today?
1: Uh, it's very funny. It was totally by accident. Uh, I've, I've taught at the university for 10, well, 11 years now. And uh, someone backed out of a study abroad trip to Tanzania and uh, I'm friends with the woman who was in charge of the trip and she asked if I would go and actually visiting Africa was never on my list. I mean I'm I would love to go to Australia, New Zealand other places with with wildlife but Africa for some reason just wasn't on my radar Um, and I thought it over and I really didn't want to go, but um, my friend encouraged me and I thought, well, you know, I might as well. It's going to be paid for. You know, I take the students, I'll learn something. It'll be an experience. And so I went to Tanzania and just fell in love with the country. Uh, I took students three years to Tanzania for study abroad. And then an opportunity came about uh, my friend Jan Brooks, which is in HDFS, which is human development Uh, family studies. Um, She takes students to South Africa to work on medical um, facilities. And she wanted to know if we could do a um, a collaboration. She could take medical students. I could take pre-vet students and we would go to Zimbabwe because she had a friend that was from Zimbabwe. So that sounded interesting that we could have students collaborate together, both medical and and pre-vet, uh, so we worked on that trip together. So actually, starting to go to Africa was totally by mistake. <laughs> but once I went, it's it. I've told many people it's like a magnet. It just draws you back. I just I love Africa, um, oh, Tanzania, man. and Zimbabwe especially.
0: Uh, that's that's good to hear. Well, as somebody from from the continent, um, <laughs> and so from now on, I think I will change the, how I've saved you in my phone to the accidental traveler. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so once you once you went for the first time, um, maybe, you know, let's talk or, or dive into the cycle of planning a faculty led program. If we have the program to Tanzania, for example, um, in mind, what, what does that cycle look like? Can you paint a picture for us.
1: Well, the first one to Tanzania was, was not well planned because I, I had never been to the African continent, um, hadn't traveled much out of the country uh, other than the UK. And so the first trip I took to Tanzania was not well planned. Now, when we went to Zimb- plan the trip to Zimbabwe, I think we did a great job of planning because both um, myself and. Uh, Jan had been uh, to Africa several times. Well, when you plan a new trip, like we the Zimbabwe uh, study abroad, I think it's very important to you know definitely visit the, the country beforehand. And that's the problem with Tanzania. I did not go to Tanzania before I actually took the students. So that was really difficult to tell them what to even expect because I didn't know what to expect. Um, so I think it's important to visit the country before you take students. Um, I think it's very important to find local people such as you or someone that has, has lived there or is familiar with the country so they can help you plan. Um, our study abroad office is very good in helping um, arrange as far as you know budgets and, and that type of things and, and travel uh, as far as air, air flights and things. Uh, I think you first need to determine you know uh, places to work or volunteer I think you need to, you know, determine where to visit. Of course, you know, when you go to someplace like that, you definitely need to let the students have some fun time because, you know, it may be the only time they get to go to that country. Um, and you need to find the places to stay. I, I think a pre-trip course is, is a must. I think, mm-hmm. I think people that take students uh, study abroad without a pre-trip course is just setting them up for uh, more difficulties, less understanding, and more explaining while you're actually there. I think it's a must to have a pre-trip course. We have a six to eight week course, depending on the semester and how it falls. Uh, But I think it's very important. Uh, We have the students read books, watch movies. We have guest speakers come in. Um, uh, We teach them about history and colonialism. Uh, We teach them about political, both historical and recent. Uh, We teach them about the, the challenges of the country. Um, culture, language, geography, weather, uh, we talk a lot about cultural differences and expectations. Um, one of the major issues, and this is probably one of the most important, is we teach the students about safety, about their behavior as students, about their language and speech, and then uh, lastly, but not, not leastly, is packing lists, you know, what clothing, what, it, what clothing is acceptable, what clothing they need, uh, as far as weather and other things. So those are very, very important things, I think, uh, make the trip run much more smoothly and it makes it much more enjoyable for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And even for hosting um, a group of students, your group was very easy to host primarily because they were they were very well prepared and, and so were you guys. So when it comes to, you know, doing the logistics on the ground, it it, it makes it fairly easy, particularly mm-hmm. because... You also had come to do a bit of due diligence um, prior to bringing the students, so you know everything sort of went smoothly primarily because of that i think the one thing that uh, tends to go wrong is the alignment of your expected outcomes and what then happens on the ground mm. you know how do you How do you make sure that there is alignment between the things that you want out of the program and what then happens on the ground?
1: You know, I I think it's very difficult, but it is important. I think it's important to have um, outcomes and objectives, Um, you know, and we always do, you know, we want the students to learn, uh, you know, have cultural awareness. We want them to learn about the country and the people uh, we want them to learn about the subject that they're actually studying, you know, either animal science or medical. Uh, we want them to have personal growth. Uh, we want them to be more accepting and understanding uh, and just be general, better citizens. Uh, those are probably our outcomes, but those are very, um, very vague I think it's really hard to write specific outcomes for, the, for a, a study abroad trip, mainly because I think the students, each individual is going to take away something different from the same experience. And I don't think it's our place as uh, educators to tell them what they should get out of the study abroad. I think they're each going to get something different out of that. They're going to take away different knowledge, different uh, feelings from the same experience. So I, I think it's important to have the outcomes and objectives written, but I also think difficult to um, stick to those. Uh, many opportunities will present themselves uh, along the way very unexpectedly, and, and students too, um, you know, questions, but why? How come? You know, why do they this? And, and that's the time we use as a teaching. Uh, teaching time during the trip and I think it's important to um, I think it's very important that you have a faculty member on the trip because of that they can come to you and ask you those questions whereas they might not be as um, comfortable asking the person in that country because it might you know feel like it might be offensive to that person Uh, so I think it's important you have a faculty member uh, on the trip I think it's very important that we make it very comfortable and, and that we're accessible to the students. And I also think the pre-trip course helps with that because we've already been together for eight weeks and we've become, become familiar with each other. The students have, you know, become uh, familiar with, with each each of the students and, and become more of a group, a uh, cohesive group. So I think it's important that we have these outcomes and objectives, but I also think it's important that we don't feel like we have to stick to those because there's so many things and so many opportunities and so many times that these students will learn um, on the trip.
0: Right. And with your experience in Tanzania and in Zimbabwe, uh, keeping that in mind, what have you seen to be the benefits of these uh, faculty-led programs um, for the students and for the professors who travel with the students?
1: I mean I think the biggest most important thing that we've always seen is is the growth of the students that they realize that you know this world's a big world and we are we're very uh sheltered and very uh, and, you know the United States especially we think you know the United States is number 1 and we have the best of this and best of that but they go to other places and then they realize that that being the best is you know, definitely not a definitive. I mean, they, they learn. And I think one of the biggest things that the students um, always tend to say is, you know, they, they don't have as much stuff as we do, but they're so happy, you know, and they realize that people, people are, can be happy without stuff. And we have so much stuff in the United States that it's just ridiculous. Um, I think the students become more appreciative as far as, you know, uh, we have, clean, safe water and, and, and many opportunities like that, that not everyone has. And I don't think they even realize that until, you know, we have our pre-trip and we tell them about things like that. They just don't think about it because their daily lives don't aren't entwined with, um, with issues like that. So I, I do, I think just the uh, student awareness um and, and to realize, you know, about the whole big world and, and so many of them, you know, planned trips afterwards and are planning on going again and, you know, are encouraging their friends and family to, to travel. And I think that's, I think that's wonderful.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, that is, that is quite wonderful because you do see that when somebody travels and they have, a, they have a good time in terms of the academic side, but as well the, the leisure side, which is, which is a good balance, as you had mentioned um, at the beginning. They, they do tend to come back and they do tend to then encourage others to also travel to the, to the destination as well, which is, which is great and shows the impact that such trips have on them as individuals as well. And for for faculty, I'm just wondering how you as a professor, in addition to the evaluations that uh, students write and the verbal feedback that they give during the trip and and even after the trip, um, how as a professor, do you measure in any other way the impact of these trips?
1: Um, Most of our measurement is probably in in the uh, reflection papers at the end, so it's pretty much student uh, self-evaluation, but I I think that's very important. I mean, I don't think there's a way to test um, the uh, importance and the impact that a a study abroad trip has on a student. I think that self-reflection and and, um, the students' papers that we read, they're always... uh, so heartwarming to see that, that they've, they have actually, you know, um, the outcomes have been fulfilled, just not in the way you might uh, typically think of fulfilling those outcomes as far as evaluation and assessment.
0: Exactly, exactly. And I know for, for, for us, sort of the providers of these programs on the ground in, in these different places, um, you know, one of the things that we have to contend with is how do we keep a group of young Americans safe once once, mm-hmm. once, once they get there? And, you know, through orientation and uh, we try and cover those safety and, and health issues. And I know you also cover those in the pre-trip um, courses. And I don't know if they can ever be enough in terms of what to do. Uh, in terms of how to deal with safety concerns or safety issues? And, you know, traveling abroad brings with its own um, scary other things that, you know, other professors might be thinking of. Um, and do you have insights to share with them in terms of how how best to deal with safety?
1: Well, I do think the pre-trip is very important, too, um, Go over many, many safety issues, uh, you know, just number one, how to dress, how to act, how to talk, what to do, what not to do um, and you have to you know make these students understand that we're we're telling them to do this not because we want them to be good kids or or you know we want them, but they are number one representing our country and our university. So, you know, they may only be the only people that uh, Zimbabweans ever see from the University of Illinois, and you need to, you know, um, be a good representative of our university. But also for their safety, they have to understand that we're telling them these things. You know, you're not going to wear short skirts and spaghetti strap, short tops, because it's just not acceptable and not safe. And, but, you know, seriously, a lot of the things are just typical things that we would do as safety for students in the United States. You're not gonna walk anywhere alone. You're not gonna go somewhere that's not, you know, you're not familiar with. Um, So you have to emphasize things that are, we would think of as, you know, general knowledge for a person. But remember that these are young people that don't always think like adults. So you do have to, you know, uh, reiterate just general safety. Uh, you need to tell them more about the, the country itself. And I do also think it's very important to have someone like you uh, that knows where to go, where not to go, what times to go, uh, and things like that. So that helps a lot for the safety.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned some, some something that, you know, just triggered uh, another thing, which is ambassadors. They are ambassadors because... Mm-hmm. It is, there is a good chance that um, they may be the first and perhaps only uh, mm-hmm. University of Illinois people that Zimbabwean will come across. So the impression that they leave um, is, goes deep. And having, having said that, you know, after leading a few trips, I would like to believe, you know, they are all good kids. But sometimes <laughs> sometimes they're not. <laughs>
1: No sometimes and,
0: they don't. and so you know how do you deal with badly behaved students
1: Well, first of all, on my first trip to Tanzania, I had one student that I had issues with, and she should have been sent home and not sending her home caused issues pretty much the entire trip, and even after the trip, I had to deal with issues with her, so um. First of all, in our pre-trip course, we make them very aware that all the university policies apply during the trip, during the whole trip, during the flight, during the trip, during the flight back. Any policy that the university has still applies, you know, as far as drinking, drugs, and you know, anything that the university policies apply during the trip. So they know that. Uh, They also, we hope that they have respect for the leaders, um so that they will you know will abide by those policies uh, they also know that they can be sent home they know that if they misbehave we can put them on a flight and their parents have to pay that flight ticket which will not be cheap because it's you know close to the time of the flight and um it will not be cheap so they know they can be sent home and there have been students sent home um each situation is dealt with you know on a one-by-one basis, uh, but I think when the students know those policies that they, um, they will abide by most of the time, um, we do talk to the students, the students talk to us, and we try to work things out if there's issues. Some of the issues that students have, we try to let them work out themselves, you know, just like roommate issues or, you know, somebody said this, somebody did this. Um, I mean, we will talk to them, but we're like, you know, you're adults, you, you need to talk this out and resolve it. If you can't resolve it, then we may step in. But, you know, a lot of little things, we just kind of let them deal with it because they need to learn as adults to deal with things. Uh, but like I said, I think having a very strict um, guidance as far as policies beforehand uh, and then knowing that they can be sent home. And then, you know, like I said, we are very accessible. Um, to talk and, and to help work things out. Most of the times, well, oh, I said another thing, we choose these students. They apply and we choose the students. So hopefully if you've chosen well, most things will go well other than small Mm -hmm. issues. Uh, That's the problem with my first trip. I didn't have a choice. They were already chosen and I had to take them. Um, But honestly, I don't know that I would have have, um, you know, not taken that student because to present herself, she was very good. Um, and sometimes, you know, you know just people in general, they're not always what they present themselves as and it will turn out bad. But the majority of time, if you interview them and you choose the students, you usually will have a pretty good group.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. And so on a, on a trip like this, are you, are you a professor or are you a mom? You know, where, where's the uh, line there? Is there? You know, a line? and I talked
1: about this. We're a professor, we're a mom, we're a nurse, we're a psychiatrist, we're a counselor. Um, <laughs> we, tr- we try very hard to stay professional, but, but we let our guards down. I mean, you know, we will go out for drinks with them and we will, you know, chat with them, at, you know, more so than we would in the classroom. Um and we are mom. I mean, you know, if someone's crying, they're they're going to be on my shoulder. Um, if they have personal issues or private things, you know, we're there. Uh, so, yeah, we're we're pretty much everything on the trip.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, having having said that, what are some of the things that you could say were unexpected um, that have happened during your either planning or while you're in in destination?
1: Um, I I think a lot of it is students actually realize what they're learning while they're there. I remember one one student, um, Kelly, if you remember Kelly, we were in the safari vehicle and I don't even know what happened. I forgot what happened, but she turned to me and she goes, oh, Crystal, I'm so glad you told us before the trip. Or I wouldn't have understood. And that really hit me that it is very important that we discuss things and, and prepare them before the trip. Because they wouldn't have understood what actually occurred at that time. Right. So that, that you know, and, and that makes you feel really good to think that you had that impact that, you know, mm-hmm. they got it, you know, right, right. there on the spot.
0: Yeah. yeah. So. Jack, that's the jackpot right there, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yes, it is.
0: And any any lessons you you've drawn from your your trips over the years?
1: Oh, personally, oh, it's incredible. Um, I've learned so much about uh, people and culture and geography. I love geography now, which I hated geography before. You know, <laughs> I always look now. I'm looking at maps and uh, language. I am actually in my fourth semester of Swahili.
0: Oh wow!
1: Able to speak Swahili, isn't that cool?
0: That is really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing, you know, Crystal. I have to mention beforehand that my my one goal, if anything in life, is to try and convert you. So that you can like Zimbabwe more than you like Tanzania.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know if that will happen. I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty hooked on Tanzania. So I, I'm
0: just letting you know right now that that's, that's my goal. one goal. You know, that, that's what I'm aiming for. <laughs> You've
1: you got your work cut out for you. <laughs> no, I love Zimbabwe, too. I really do. But I think it's just because Tanzania was my first taste of Africa. And, you know. hmm
0: yeah, definitely, definitely. And while we're at that, any advice for professors who either are thinking of taking a group or are hesitant, you know, or are about to pull out of leading their first group? Uh, obviously, once, once the pandemic is sort of under control, um, but maybe things that you think, okay, first time uh, leading a group, Here's top three, top five things you need to know. Um.
1: I, I would definitely say prepare yourself so you can prepare the students. Even if you can't travel to that country, do your research. I mean, research history and politics and language and culture and ask questions. That was one of my things when I went to Tanzania the first time. I didn't ask enough questions because the people gave me a packing list and some of the things I didn't quite understand why, well, I should have asked, why do you need this? You know, because I couldn't tell the students why we needed it. Right. So don't be, um, don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed to ask questions. They may be really silly questions, but they're important if you need to know the answer. Uh, So prepare yourself, um, prepare the students. I can't, Uh, encourage enough to have a pre-trip course and I don't just mean one or two meetings I mean you need to really dig into that country and delve into information about that country and it also allows those students to to form a cohort you know it's very important that they're that they're together as a group when you go because then they're already comfortable with each other being roommates, um, you know, and doing things together. So I think that's very important. So prepare yourself, prepare the students, uh, be open to new things. Um, some of the things I've done in, in Tanzania and Africa were not things I would typically do, but, you know, just be open and, and, and definitely take the, take the chance, take the risk, even if you're scared or anxious you know just definitely definitely try it and it I tell you to take these students are just it's the most most rewarding thing I've ever done other than being a mother because it just it it opens them up to the world and it gives them so much um, more background of, of you know of global issues, and I just think it's very important for, I think it's important for all students to travel. I wish we could make it so all students could go on at least one study abroad.
0: hmm Yeah, and I think it does help um, when you're as passionate as you are about imparting the knowledge to the students and exposing them as well. I think that's another quality if we were to talk about qualities of what makes a good faculty uh, faculty-led program leader. Um, it's, it's more than just being a, a college professor. I think you've got to also have the passion for, for mm-hmm. the students and for people as well, of course, for, for, for imparting knowledge and learning yourself.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: And with students, advice for students who are considering, you know, going abroad as soon as uh, the borders are open.
1: Oh, just go, (laughs) just go pick, pick a place you want to see and and go. Um, I I don't necessarily think it matters where you go. I would encourage students to go somewhere non-English speaking Mm -hmm. um, just because it's, you know, out of the uh, comfort zone a little bit. You know, a lot of times students will say, Oh, I want to go somewhere that speaks English. Well, right. There's kind of, well it's definitely limiting but it's you know you're not opening yourself up to new culture and language which I think is important
0: right right and
1: that's another thing is you, uh, students um, students and parents of students have a lot of times have a, a very false um, insight as far as what a country is like all they see is what is on on TV which is very inaccurate uh, depiction of those countries you know all you see is African countries is these poor little starving children and that's just not it I'm not saying there's not children that aren't starving but there's starving children in the United States too Um, but they they need to realize that you know there's big cities and there's technology and cars and you know everything we have in the United States we have in other countries in African countries and uh, you know it's not not savages and poor, starving children like depicted mm-hmm. on television. So yeah. I encourage students to to realize that and and do their research and find out what it really is like.
0: And you know, it's it's quite fascinating how the image is portrayed on on TV and how most mo- most of the time you have people who come down to Zimbabwe, South Africa, and they genuinely are surprised by. A high-rise building for example uh, or people who are able to communicate with them and communicate back you know it, it is quite fascinating and i know when i first started working in the exchange with exchange students it it really took me aback a little bit to say oh when you watch the gods must be crazy or something like that you actually think that's what's on mm-hmm. the on the ground and mm-hmm. It, it, it makes it all the more worth it to then expose them to various aspects and the various contrasts that a single country like Zimbabwe would offer between a city and and a rural and a rural place you know that that sort of thing mm-hmm. but um, you mentioned parents and I'm mm-hmm. wondering and and I did see, Uh, When you guys were taking off to come to Zimbabwe, parents dropped off their kids with you uh, at the airport. Prior to that, did you have to convince parents that it was okay for their kids to come? Uh, Do they play a part in the decision making? And, And overall, how do you communicate with parents whose kids want to come on a trip with you?
1: Well, yes and no. Uh, first of all, you know, we're limited what we can actually discuss with the parents because the students are adults legally and we're bound as far as, you know, discussing certain things with them about their students, about their children. Um, but the parents are concerned and and I understand that being a parent, I understand. Uh, but a lot of it is the, you know, misconceptions of these countries and the people Uh, one student wouldn't even allow us to have their passport to send in for their visa. They had to to do it themselves. Well, okay, that's fine. Uh, We almost didn't get it because they didn't get it back as soon as we did, you know? So uh, issues (laughs) like that. Um, They're always, I think one of the biggest concerns is they're worried about safety as far as like being, you know, attacked, raped, mugged, things like that. Um, They're concerned about diseases, which, (laughs) you know, is always kind of funny to me because we really don't have to get that many extra vaccinations to go. I mean, I think we do typhoid, uh, maybe yellow fever, depending on which country. And then we do the anti-malarial medications, but we, you know, we have all the other vaccinations that are needed. So it's not that much extra. Um, I, we don't have a lot of interaction with the parents. I mean, they are welcome to call us or email us, and we will answer the majority of their questions. And, um, you know, we emphasize uh, what will actually occur and not what they think will occur. Um, this, the, some of the parents, especially mothers, will cry when they bring the student to us at the airport. Uh, and they're always very excited to see them when they come back. But the the greatest thing is nowadays with technology, uh, you know, they're sending photos and they're sending messages and they're telling them about the wonderful trip they're having during the trip. So yeah. then the, the parents are, you know, um, I guess they're, they're, you know, less, less uh, worried about them when they know that things are going well during the trip.
0: Right, right which I think helps a great deal in calming their nerves as well, yes. uh, knowing yes. that, you know, they get right. daily updates.
1: Right, right.
0: Which which, which then, you know, makes it interesting when you, say, are in Tanzania in, in the middle of the bush, or if you're in Zimbabwe <laughs> and you're in a conservancy where signal is not that great. That must make for an interesting sort of uh, time for... Uh, particularly students who are used to be connected all the, all the time. Um, where's their Snapchat and their Instagram?
1: Yeah. We, um, in Zimbabwe, it wasn't quite so bad. Now, in Tanzania, there's about a week where we don't have um, access. When we're actually out in the bush, there's nothing around, and you will have to go to, like, the ranger station to, to get any access. Um, so we tell the students ahead of time, tell your parents that there's this length of time, these days, that you may not contact them because, you know, you would. they would probably become frantically worried if they didn't hear from them for like five or six days. So tell them that during this period of time, you may not be able to have access to internet. So um, we tell them that ahead of time. And then even with the Zimbabwe, we tell them, you know, it, it it it's sporadic. You may have it, you may not. So tell your parents if you don't hear from them for a day or two, don't worry. Um, but someone will, will contact you. And, and, you know, if anything happened, they would be contacted. So um, we try to resolve their anxiety that way.
0: Well, Crystal, thank you very much for oh, giving me welcome. your time and also sharing your insights and experiences, reflecting on uh, the trip you made to Zimbabwe. And I cannot wait for the borders to open so that we can have you visit once again.
1: We're hoping maybe 2022.
0: So Yeah, we, we keep our fingers crossed for that.
1: Yeah, I hope so. Well, thank yeah. you very much.
0: Yeah, it has been great. You've been listening to The Hive from Tejas of Sustainable Travel. I hope this episode has inspired you to seek or to continue to explore travel with purpose. Join our community on social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. And please do subscribe so that you can receive notifications each time we have a new episode. Tatenda, thank you.